And I wonder how many of you have lain awake at night thinking about your blessings. Um, we don't tend to do that. We lie awake at night worrying about the budget and worrying about the economy and worrying about Brexit and, and praying for Donald Trump and, and, and all these things. But we don't always lie awake at night thinking how blessed we are to be in a safe and stable country. Rather, the cares and priorities of meeting our obligations and the expectations of our society and our peers dominate our thoughts and our energy and our time. We probably don't wake every morning with our first thought being gratitude for our salvation, but we should. If you are somebody whose life is in Christ, who has salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, whose sins are forgiven, and who's on the way to heaven to an eternity with Jesus Christ, then really, surely, that should dominate our thoughts. That gratitude for the fact that we have life eternal and life abundant. It shouldn't be relegated into the back of our minds as we deal with the urgent things rather than the important things. The reality that Christ seeks from us as we are grateful and are in a reality of thinking about this wonderful gift we've been given is that our desire should be to reach out with that to others. I'm, I'm quite simple and graphic in my thinking. I, I, I sometimes think I, my thoughts are like a Marvel comic or something in their little blocks. That's sort of one and one equals two kind of thinking. But for me, there's a, there's a truth that, that I remind myself of quite frequently. If I believe, as I do, that God loves me dearly, and I do, and if I believe His Word in which He says that His desire is for me to have the best that I can possibly have, and I do believe that. And if I believe that the very best that I can possibly have is to be in His presence, then how come the moment I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I don't just disappear in a pink puff of cloud and go and be with Him in heaven? Because that's the best for me, and that's what He desires for me. Why am I still down here looking at this world with all of its trials and its temptations and so forth. And there's only one good reason in my simple way of thinking for that. I'm here because other people don't yet have that assurance of their salvation in Jesus Christ, and it's my job to be on this earth to present Christ to the world. It's not a byproduct of my life. And that's the reality that I have to confess is that quite often that's not first and foremost in my thoughts. First and foremost in my thoughts is running the school that I run and dealing with this or that little scare away that's up to something or a parent that's needing some reassurance or parents are never difficult, but it's being challenging. Um, never difficult, especially not mine. They are brilliant. They really are. I'm not joking. They really are. But um, our lives are filled with, with, with our work and the next business meeting. And those things are urgent and take a time. But the most important thing, if you're a child of God, is being in the will of God and, and fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life. That really is something that we should carry before us. It's the reason we're on earth. And that's why Jesus himself made it a priority in what he said to his disciples at the time that he was about to go back to heaven. And these are scriptures that I often refer to in my life. In Luke chapter 24... It says, then he opened their minds, in verse 45, so they could understand the Scriptures. Jesus is spending his last hours and last days with his disciples. What's his priority? 
What is he doing? You know, if you think about this, if you're about to see family for the last time, for a very, very, very long time, you kind of pack in the important things towards the end, don't you? That's not really when you talk about the frivolous. That's when you make sure that they know that you love them. And, and, and my daughter moved out recently into a flat. She's been with us all of her life except when she's been at uni and she spent some time abroad and so forth. But she moved into a flat. And as she departed, I was talking about remembering to lock the front door and, and, and to make sure at night that the windows were closed. And I was, I was I'm, I'm still going to see her and talk to her on a regular basis, but I was giving instructions for the things that were important to me for her welfare. Well, Jesus is with his disciples and he's about to, to leave them. And he's saying this, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures and he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then he goes on to speak to them again uh, in the Great Commission. It's repeated there. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is in Acts chapter 1. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria. His last words were about the effectivity of their witness. It was about the calling on their lives. It was about extending the gospel. It was about them understanding the scriptures, understanding the story. And then it was about them sharing the story. That has to be the most important thing in our lives as Christians. Some way or other, our lives need to be bearing the fruit of that. There are people at this moment all over this country who are on their way to a lost eternity simply because they don't understand the danger that they're in. There are people who are lonely and broken who are not having release from that simply because they do not understand that there is a Savior that loves them and wants to touch their lives. And that's multiplied from this country to every country in the world. And then there's us, and we have the solution, and we have the answer. And that places us in a position where we need to consider this as a community, as a church, and we need to consider this as individuals. I want to read to you Psalm 1. And it talks about the blessed man, and we could say the blessed church. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in, the, in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. We have talked about being rooted in Christ. We've talked about being planted in the family of Christ. We need to talk about being fruitful because the Bible says to us, if we are rooted and planted in Christ, if we are delighting in the law of the Lord, then there will be fruit in season. A tree that doesn't deliver its fruit is not fulfilling its purpose. There's the story of Jesus and the fig tree saying, this tree needs to be dug up. There's nothing coming from it. And as a community at Forest Town, we are called to be fruitful for the fruit of our purpose on this earth to be evidenced in all that we do. 
Now, Tim started last week in looking at how we can be fruitful as a community and as individuals within our local area because Jesus, you know, I, nothing in the Bible, I believe, is by accident. And when Jesus talks about being witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, he's talking about the progression of the gospel from Jerusalem out to the rest of the world. And there's a pattern that was formed there. The first thing that happened was the church in Jerusalem was established and rooted and grounded firmly. If you look at the early church, it talks about them listening to the apostles' teaching. It talks about them growing up. And if you read the early stories, you see the administration of the church being put into place with the seven being appointed. You see the church being established with the troubles that come with Ananias and Sapphira. You see testimony as people go out and start preaching. It's an establishing, but then the church goes out. It moves out into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There is a role to be played. And Tim spoke about the fact that here locally there are a number of things that you could be involved in supporting in one way or another, whether it's STEP or Be Restored uh, or, or the Feed Project and so forth. We need as a community to first and foremost be concerned about those around us who need not just the words of the gospel but the actions of the gospel. I would, I would go even more intimate that, uh, than that and say that maybe the route for you starts with your next-door neighbor. Um, there's, a, there's a musician I like to listen to called Wes King, and he sings a song about being Jesus to the universe next door, to his next-door neighbor. And maybe you need to start being Jesus to the universe right next door, just down the road. But there's a place to start. And as a, as a church community... We believe in that commission to be effective locally, to look to the needs, not just in telling the gospel, but living out the gospel and assisting and standing by those in our own community, in our own city, in our own country. But this morning, I also want to look at the call that we have to be involved in that gospel as we reach further into the world. The early spread of the gospel was fairly spontaneous. In fact, the early spread of the gospel from Jerusalem happened because of persecution and people fleeing took the message of Christ with them. And wherever they landed, wherever their flight took them, that's where they shared the gospel. I almost tripped there and my son looked delighted about the prospect of me measuring my length in front of you. Um, kept my feet ladder. Um, but wherever people went, because they were where, they were there and they were aware of, of the calling on their lives. They shared the gospel. But in Acts chapter 13, um, we read about the first organized, one could say, uh, mission trip. It says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit set apart for me, said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is the first biblical record of a commissioned mission. The church now goes from spontaneous spreading of the word where people just happen to be to saying now is the time that we, we set aside people who go out with the express purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And from that came the missionary journeys of Paul, Silas, Barnabas, 
And I'm sure there were other missionary journeys organized and taking place simultaneously because we read about Cephas and Apollos and people like that that were traveling and ministering. And if we look at the pattern that Paul took, he would go to a place, he would preach the gospel, establish a church, ground those people and move on, but they would nurture that new church. Now, we have opportunity in Forest Town to be involved in mission to other countries. And there are different ways in which these kind of missions can take place. Some people are called to be full-time missionaries in a foreign country. That's a massive commitment. And to be honest with you, in some cases, it's a direct and immediate calling, and people respond in ways that I find quite frightening. If you know anything of the history of Jackie Pullinger, who works in the Forbidden City, she believed she needed to go to China. Um, she didn't have anybody backing up that. She didn't have a missionary society. So she just went and established a ministry. That's kind of right out there. A lot more people, it's a gradual process. They feel a calling. They get involved. They begin to develop. They get the training. They get the establishment. They get doors open for them. And they land up living in another country as a full-time missionary. This church has a relationship and supports Andy in Romania. He lives there. That's his calling. He's gone as a missionary, and he's staying there. But not all of us are called to that. We're all called to support that. But sometimes people get into longer-term mission through the process of short-term missions. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about this morning, specifically with regard to what's available here at Forest Town. Short-term mission is when you take a team of people over to a place, either to establish a work or to support a work that's taking place, to support missionaries that have already been sent out there or to support the local church in what they're doing. And when you take those teams out, you're only there for a, a period of time. Sometimes, in the case of what we're doing here, it might be four or five days or a week or ten days. And some people might say, well, what's the value of that? And you even find some people in the church talking about it quite sarcastically as being sanctified tourism. You just kind of go over and look at the sinners in another country and come back and say you've been on mission. That's not what we're talking about in what we're doing at Forest Town Church. We do conduct short-term missions. We conduct mission trips to Cambodia, and there's one coming up to Romania that Derry's going to talk to us about in a minute or two, in which we go over for 10 days. And the truth of the matter is this. You can't change a country in 10 days. Does that mean we shouldn't go? We go for a number of reasons. We go to offer support and skills to the people in that country, in this case in Cambodia, for work that's already taking place. And what we do while we're there really does make a difference, and I'll explain that to you in a moment or two when I get specific about Cambodia. But we also go over on short-term missions to take people into contact with what's happening in other countries so they can see the need, identify the need, and be supportive of that need. I would love to see most of this church going on some kind of a short-term mission trip at some stage. Not because I expect that every single one of us will land up living in another country as a missionary, but because we need to be aware of what God is doing elsewhere, of what the needs are, and of the impact that we can make coming from a community such as ours. Every time I go on a mission trip, I come back feeling that I have been changed more than I have been able to bring about change. Yes, we do have an impact when we go. 
You'll see a video in a little while and we'll talk about what we do in Cambodia. And we do have an impact. But one of the great impacts is that on the lives of the people who go and what they bring back with them. And the support that we can offer as we go long term. So we go to make the body aware of the needs and opportunities. We go to encourage and support those who are on the front line. When Derek comes, he's going to talk about going and supporting the work that's already taking place. We go to provide skills and resources. When we go to Cambodia, we conduct conferences which they can't do with their resources and to instigate and support projects. We also go, in all honesty, to inspire financial support for people in those countries and what they're doing. And we go to see team members changed and their own Christian walk. Let's take those things one at a time. Let me talk to you about what's happening in Cambodia and what Buna Yin and the team at Nexus are doing in Cambodia. Some of you will have heard this, but because we're heading for a new trip, we need folk to be aware so that you can decide whether you wish to be supportive of this. Buna started a ministry some time ago in which, using his own finances, he began to travel out of Phnom Penh where he lived, into the provinces as they call them, into the rural areas, to go and make friends with people in the villages, and in the process of making friends with them, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Up until this point, I think currently there are 22 churches that he has planted. When I say a church, it's a group of people in a village who meets either under a tree or under a house um, or wherever they can find a convenient place. And it's like a little home group that's been started in each village. Once he has established a little church, he then seeks to have teaching for that church so that leaders can be raised up within the church and so that they can begin to look after their own little flock and begin to reach out to the village around them and to the surrounding people. What do teams that go over do to assist Buna? Well, the people that lead his churches, some of them are people who have some understanding of the Word. Some of them are fairly baby Christians themselves. And we go in and we spend time doing teaching conferences for them. We either go into the villages where they gather or we bring them into Phnom Penh. And we spend time teaching basic leadership, basic Bible knowledge, helping them to be better prepared to work in the vicinities that they're working in. Those conferences take the form of arriving in a village, um, taking with us members of our team and members of the Nexus team, Khmer people. When we arrive in a village, they will set about preparing food for the 40 or 50 people that come into the conference. The people coming into the conference have come leaving their work, which is usually as farmers and laborers in the rice fields, and they've come to spend a couple of days being fed with the Word of God, but they are losing income, and they need to be taken care of. So we don't just go in and let them fend for themselves. We provide all the meals while they're there. We provide transport costs for them to come in. And we provide support for them for the earnings that they lose while they're coming into the conference. They can't do that. The average teacher in Cambodia will be earning about $150 a month. Um, the money that we take in supports that conference and makes it possible for it to take place. There's another aspect which mustn't be taken as being unimportant. It provides a time for these leaders and, and, and the folk who are involved in the mission to get together and have some time of fellowship and some time of being encouraged and being prayed for. It's a very, very valuable thing that takes place when these conferences um, happen. Now, 
what do we do as a team? We teach. We fellowship. We pray for people. The team that went last year consisted of six of us, and myself and, and Helen were involved in teaching at the conference. Matthew, Jesse, and uh, Kiara, who came with us, would either climb on the back of a moped or a horse cart or something and push off into the villages and go and play and sing songs and dance with the children there and tell them about Jesus. There was something for everybody to do. We would pray with the people to show them our love and support and, and pray for their needs. And at the same time, we try to take financial support in for projects that are taking place. Because Buna doesn't just go into a town and his team don't just go in and tell people about Jesus and leave them cold and hungry and starving. They have projects to provide people with rice, to purchase rice fields for them, to build houses for orphans and, and, and widows, to teach children. We're supporting, my school is supporting uh, a little school that's been started on Kratong um, for young people to, to learn English so they can get better jobs. There's a bit of a challenge because when you go into places like this, there will be people who will approach you and their desire will be for you to give them something. And sometimes people get irritated by that. We've come here to preach the gospel and they keep making us aware of their physical needs. Well, I suggest you read the book of James. What good does it do when you find someone naked and hungry and you say to them, the Lord bless you and go away and leave them naked and hungry? And so we do look at physical projects and we do look for support to do that. I'm going to um, ask Nick if you could run the little video from our last trip just to give you a feel of what takes place on one of our outreaches to Cambodia. Just, this is something that was filmed when we were there in October of last year. Just before, a very interesting boat ride across to Kratong Island on the ferry, which Buna calls the ferry. This was a conference where they actually got a hall for us to get people in because the, the rain prevented us from going into the villages. There was flooding. This is a little school on Kratong Island with some artwork which um, Rachel prepared, which we took with. This is Nexus Church in Phnom Penh. I guess you can see what that is.
That's the border to Vietnam. That's just to give you a feel. There's time for great fellowship, um, both with the local people and with one another on the team. Nick, if you could run those slides for us now that Helen has prepared. Helen's prepared some slides just to raise some important issues which you can look at with regard to the outreach. Let's go to number one. Um, just keep going, Nick. That's good. The dates... Uh, we're going to be going, we normally go from the Wednesday before the half term, but we're actually looking to go from the Saturday and then to stay till the following Wednesday. So the dates um, are, there's a little pamphlet which Helen's prepared. We need to change the dates on that. And I've got the right dates. I think she's changed that there. So that'll be from, yes, that is, that's from the Saturday um, through to the following Wednesday. We won't necess necessarily go exactly from those dates because we'll look at the flights uh, that'll be the most affordable. Could we look at the next slide? That's Angkor Wat, by the way. Uh, that just shows where Phnom Penh is. Uh, we travel all over the place. We've, in different trips, we've traveled up to as far as Siem Rip, which you can see up near the northern uh, border. We've been down, uh, I've been down to Chinookville, which you see on the coast. Uh, we go down to Sverim. Uh, so we do travel quite a lot, depending on where we need it. Next one, please. Flights will cost between uh, six and seven hundred pounds. What we what we're looking for is that if you decide to come with us, that you help us to carry the costs, and everybody would need to be responsible for their own airfare. Um, beyond that, we need to raise funds for a number of things. We need to raise funds for the actual costs when we're in country. That's really cheap. Um, hotel rooms and food and so forth don't amount to a huge amount of money. You can get a, a clean room. Uh, it's not the Ritz, but it's a clean room. You can get for about eight or nine dollars for the night. You can get a meal for a, a dollar. Um, but we also try and raise extra money to support the projects while we're out there so that, because wherever we go, we support the cost of the Khmer team that go with us. We pay for the conferences, we pay for their accommodation, we pay for their food. We don't want to cost anybody local a cent while we're there. So if you did decide to join us, we would need you to commit for your airfare but also to help us with fundraising, to raise the amount that we need for the communal costs and for the blessings that we want to uh, release over there. Could we look at the next one, Nick? The itinerary will include being based at the church in Phnom Penh, where we will help run a conference and do some men's, women's, and children's ministry, traveling to other villages to teach, share testimonies, and fellowship. You don't have to be a Bible teacher to come with us. You do need to be somebody who's prepared to engage with people and to share your testimony and pray with people. 
We're not asking you to be a theology student. We're asking you to be someone who's prepared to be a witness. And that's telling people about what Christ has already done in your life. You'll notice the Great Commission says you will be my witnesses. It doesn't say you'll be my lecturers and my professors. It says you'll be my witnesses. And the witness tells people of what they have seen and heard and experienced themselves. And that's what we would ask you to do if you came with. Um, I'm going to say to you, if you're going to come with, you need to be prepared to do some things. And one of them is you need to be prepared to share your life with the people there. It's not the best thing if you come with and just stand in the background. You, I mean, we're not going to chuck you away out of the process if you don't want to do that. If you just want to come and observe, I'm sure we can, if we've got space in, in the bus, we can do that. But really what we want you to do is somebody who will engage. Somebody who will just let people know who you are, who will love them and who will talk to them. Um, supporting Dave Reed, who's working with students in Phnom Penh. When we went over with uh, Ant the first time, because um, I had a connection with Buna before that, Ant also introduced us to a, a friend of his and Helen's, a guy called Dave Reed, who's got a different kind of ministry in Phnom Penh. He's working with students in residences, and there'll be an opportunity to work with them. And then the possibility, depending on timing, because we do like people to enjoy themselves as well. We didn't do it last time, but there is the possibility of going to Angkor Wat. Um, we'll need to talk about that as a team, whether we wanted to go, because there would be extra cost there. Angkor Wat is a very famous set of, of uh, temple ruins. If you've watched any of the sort of Tomb Raider type movies or Raiders with uh, the guys running around in those overgrown temples with trees growing through the roofs, that's all formed at Angkor Wat. Very impressive place. Could we go to the next one, please? Nick? Uh, what to expect? An amazing, life-changing experience where we get to partner with the local church in Cambodia. Opportunity to share your testimony with a wonderful command people. Working in a team to serve in ministry and in practical ways. A taste of delicious Cambodian food and hospitality. Can, can I just say this? If, if you are thinking of coming with, one of the other things we'd expect of you is that you are prepared to be a little bit adventurous. Um, I was with a team uh, at a previous church that went to India with us once, and, and we'd done all the briefings, and everybody knew what we were doing. And we arrived in Chennai... Uh, and went down for our first meal, and one of the ladies in the team said, I don't do any spice. Um, it was difficult. Uh, I, I will not lie to you, it was difficult. Um, because, as you might expect, most of the food there has, not fiery spices, but some spice. And we spent a lot of effort and energy trying to find something bland for her everywhere we went. So the food is wonderful. It is not weird. Um, my favorite is a, is, a, is a beef stir fry called Lock Lack. But we will be going into villages where the local people will be preparing food for us. So if you're somebody who only eats burgers and chips, you might want to think this is not for you. But we're not going to ask you to eat spiders. You can if you want to, but we're not going to insist that you do. Um, but if you, you know, you get the opportunity to stay in... in clean and comfortable accommodation, but there will be challenges sometimes. Um, the hot water might not be hot, and it, it might come out uh, very tentatively out of the shower. Sometimes you have to move around quite a bit to get wet all over. Um, and, and some of the accommodation is clean but quite basic, and when we go into the villages, there might be some exciting toilet facilities, and, and, and you need to be prepared to, to just every now and then uh, meet that challenge. If, if, um, if you're going out to the villages with us, there's travel on some roads are quite good. Um, some roads 
are a bit challenging, and the traffic is an education in itself. Um, you come around the corner, uh, overtaking another vehicle, so you're both coming around the corner, filling up both lanes, and there are three other vehicles coming straight towards you. Nobody stops, nobody slows down, you just aim for the gaps, and um, and it's amazing. Very, very, very few accidents, but you've, you've got to learn to trust the drivers. Driving in Cambodia is an art form, it's not a science. There's a certain amount of spirit-led intervention that takes place for the bus drivers. Uh, road travel can be hot and uncomfortable with great fellowship. It's an exciting and wonderful experience. I've not been with anybody who hasn't felt their lives changed by it. And so we would like to have you think about whether you'd like to be part of that. Um, at the end of the service, because I'm going to ask Derry to come up and talk about the Romanian outreach uh, that's going to be happening uh, for a, a, a minute or two. Um, but then we're going to talk to you about what you need to do in terms of committing, and we're going to provide you an opportunity to give you information if you want us to keep you in the loop about the outreach that's taking place. Derek, would you like to come and talk about Romania? Nick, I think there's a slide for Romania. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just... Uh, am I on? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're looking to uh, do a trip over to Romania, uh, looking at uh, the 26th to the 29th of, of May this year. And uh, Andy used to be a part of our, our church, and as Clive was saying, you know, he gradually got into uh, missions and felt the calling to go over to Romania. And then around about 2012, he made that move over, over there. And has been working in Bucharest with uh, the Roma families, which are a very poor community of people within uh, Romania. And... Uh, as it's, as it's happened, he's, the years that he's been there, he got married to Anka, and they just had a, little, uh, a daughter, Chloe. So they've uh, kind of established themselves in Romania. At the moment, he's working for an organization called Operation Ruth, uh, which is a school um, where he is teaching IT, and then he's also uh, the chaplain there for the school. And so we just kind of, I kind of Facebooked him, Andy, this week, and uh, just asked him what, how we could best help him um, as a church um, within Romania, and uh, he kind of came back to us that, that we'd like to possibly send out a, a, a practical team to come and do some of just some work within the within the school, which might be painting, it might be some, some small little kind of building projects, something like that. So I'm um, just waiting for him to come back to me on that. So we are looking to go across, as I say, on the Friday and come back on the Monday. Accommodation will be within the school uh, itself. And so if you would like to, yeah, if you'd like to uh, come along for four days, uh, there will be an opportunity to, as I say, just to, to be a witness to people in the school, to people within the, in the church community, and uh, also do some practical stuff around the school. So uh, if you're interested, um, I do have here a, um, a file of some of Andy's newsletters um, that he's sent us over the years. So if you'd like to look at what has been happening over in Romania, just to get a feel for uh, what, it's out, what it's like out there and uh, what you can expect to, <coughs> to uh, be doing out there, then I'll leave this on the back counter there and you can have a look at that. So, uh, yeah, please do think about it and uh, let us know if you'd like to come along. Thanks. Thanks, Derek. In just a little while, I'm going to send around some clipboards where you can indicate whether you want to be given more information about these two outreaches. Um, so, practically... If you want to get involved, what do you need to do? Um, 
you need to pray and consider whether, whether this is something that you wish to commit to. And if you have an initial interest, we're going to send the clipboards around, and we want your name and a number. be good if you could put an email uh, for us as well where we can contact you and let you know because um, are you going to have an early meeting at some point, letting people know and, and deciding on the team? Okay, so we'll, um, Derek will contact you about Romania, and I would contact you about Cambodia. Just uh, coming back to Cambodia, last year the, the fundraising and the organization came down on a few of us, and it was, quite, it was quite a job, and we ran to a very, very tight budget when we were over there. This year we would love to have um, more money to bless into Cambodia, uh, and we'd like that process to be shared. So what we're going to be doing is we will circulate this clipboard. We'll give people a chance to talk about it. There are also pamphlets at the back. Um, the dates on the pamphlets are the, the dates that were the earlier dates. So they're roughly around there. They're from the 20th to 31st. I think those say from the 19th to uh, the 29th or something like that. Um, but if you'd like to take a pamphlet, put your name down. Um, we'll be calling a meeting not too long from now and asking people to make a commitment as to whether they are coming or not. We need people to do it earlier than we did last time around because you would need to make sure that you have leave at that stage. You would need to be making sure that you are able to make the contribution for your air ticket to go. And we would need you to commit to be part of the fundraising project. Some of the things we do, you'll remember, we cook Borovos rolls for quite a while before we go. That raises quite a lot of money for the trip. Um, but you might, we had uh, a jazz evening that also contributed. You might be able to do something else, not within this community, maybe where you work or so forth. I do some things at my school um, to help raise funds towards your cost and the general cost of the team. Now, I just want to say something. When you saw the video that we um, had up on the screen, you saw the members of the team who physically went to Cambodia. But there are people sitting here in the congregation who are pretty much as much part of the team as those people were because of contributions they made towards things happening. That could be something like Rachel prepared a whole lot of art packs for us to take with. Some people gave money. Some people generously gave money to enable others to go. This is something that you can be involved in even if you don't want to go over there and experience the roads and, and the food and the fellowship. You can become involved in fundraising um, and helping, and a number of people have done that. As I look around, I'm just seeing faces of people who contributed and made it possible for us to go last time around, and I want to thank those people. But I want to invite you to get involved in any way you can, even if it's just buying Borovos rolls on a, on a Sunday morning that makes a contribution. But you might have something that you can come to us and say, I'll run some kind of competition or fundraiser at my place of work. If you are going to be coming with us, as I say, we'll call a meeting. We'll need your commitment. We'll need you to sign up. The earlier we have that, the earlier we know how much our budget is because we'll then go back to Buna and he will build an itinerary to suit the team that we're taking with. Um, once you've committed, we would need to know that you do have leave, that you are on board, and that you are up for your at least your airfare and the rest that needs to be taken. And then we'll spend some time, closer to the time, talking to those who haven't been before, preparing you, doing some um, orientation as to things that you do and don't do in Cambodia and how uh, you can be effective in what you do. Um, just as, as we close, I, I, there may be people sitting here um, and you're wondering, you know, I've come to church and, and, and they're talking about this kind of outreach. It's not something I've ever thought about before. I want to go back to what I started with. 
our gratitude and our appreciation for what God has done for us should be at the heart of all that we do. This might not be, or these might not be projects that you feel you want to commit to. That's fine. But I would then challenge you, in what way are you being fruitful in the kingdom of God? In what way is God calling you, challenging you, whether it's locally with Be Restored or with Feed or with Step? Are you involved in some way? Are you being Jesus to the universe next door? Are you reaching out to the people around you at work? Are you reaching out to people? Are you doing those things already? Do you want to take a step further? Maybe it's time to look at Samaria and the ends of the earth. So thanks for listening this morning. I know it's been a different kind of service, but we wanted to to bring these things in. As we were sitting in Phnom Penh on the last trip, we said we need to get the ball rolling on these projects earlier. We need to get the whole church involved at an earlier stage. And I hope that you feel that in some way you can be involved in this. Um, If you're thinking of coming along, just a word of testimony as I close. I never, ever thought I'd get involved in any kind of mission. Um, for much of my Christian life, I saw the role that I played as being one, as teaching and preaching and being a worship leader. Uh, I didn't see mission as being something I wanted to get involved in. Amongst other things, traveling somewhere where I couldn't guarantee that everything would be clean and shiny was a bit... I'm not germphobic, but I'm not far from it. Um, and so pushing off somewhere where there might be dodgy toilets and things like that didn't really appeal to me. I went on my first mission trip because a friend of mine was talking to a friend of his and the guy in the church who in was saying, you need to come to my hometown in India. There's so much work you can do. And it developed into a, a music mission. Um, a bunch of bands and musicians went over and we did like a little mini tour around Chennai. We did a number of concerts uh, and we went into schools and so forth. And I went because we kind of put our band together. Stuart and, and myself and a guy called James Shears were in a band in South Africa. And James and I had moved to the UK. Stuart was still in South Africa. And we met up in Chennai for a band reunion. Hadn't seen Stuart for a couple of years. And I, I went because that appealed to me, putting the band together and going on a trip. I really didn't have the heart for mission that I thought I should have. But I can tell you that I landed in India and walked into the first school and my heart just wanted to be involved with these children and wanted to be involved with these people. And this incredible love that didn't come from me but that came from God made me want to go back into that kind of environment. I went back to India I think six or seven times. I'd love to go back again at some stage in the future. Because God can place the desire in your heart even if you don't think that that's something that you originally called to. It's become an important part of my life. It's become an important part of our ministry. But I didn't think it was going to be. So you might be sitting there saying, nah, not for me. I urge you pray. You know, Chennai has a particular smell. Anybody been there? Yeah, Stuart's been there, Matthew's been there as well. It's kind of a mixture of spices and rotting vegetation and diesel with a little element of sewage as well underneath. It's pungent. It's very characteristic. When I get off the plane at the airport and I catch that smell, my heart just smiles. Um, When I walk out of the airport in Cambodia and, and see the masses of bicycles and scooters going past, something inside me just responds to what God has done in my heart. And I would love you to have that experience. So think about it, pray about it. See if you might be one of the team coming with. How many can we take, just very briefly? I'm guessing probably about 12 would be the most we could take at this stage. That would be two buses full, and that would be two teams. 
12, 13, 14. The least we can take, well, we've had three. Um, but I'd really love to see more people coming along, experiencing, and those who can't come supporting this important part of being fruitful. I want to say that as we've said with regard to home mission, and, and this is not the only way you can be fruitful. There are loads of things you can be doing. So please don't think we're saying, okay, if you're a Forest Town Church and you want to be fruitful in God's eyes, you've got to go to Cambodia. We're not saying that. It's one of the opportunities. Romania, another opportunity, but loads of other things locally that you can be involved in. But just do be involved. Do be involved. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the wonderful opportunities that you create for us to be involved in the kingdom of God. I want to thank you, Lord, for the, the fruit of the ministry that we have seen. I want to thank you, Lord, for the change in people's lives, both in the team and the local people that we have seen on trips that we've been on. And I want to pray for Derek and the guys going to Romania and for Andy, and pray, Lord, that you will pave the way for a powerful time, for a powerful opportunity, both to be changed and to change. I want to pray for the Cambodian mission and pray the same, Lord, that you will draw people in who you want to have on the team, that you'll prepare them, that you'll open doors for them, that you will provide for them. And we look forward, Lord, to a good testimony as we go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to say, I don't know of anybody who's decided to come on team who hasn't been able to get the finances to go. Sometimes people have come and said, I want to go. I don't know how I'm going to raise the finances. We said, well, let's pray about it. Let's get involved. And I haven't known anybody who's not been able to go because of finance. Don't let it be the thing that stops you. You can bake cakes. You can do all sorts of things. There are ways that you can do that.